0: Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com slash connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message.
1: So today we're going to read from Haggai 2, uh, verse 10 through 19. On December 18th, on the second year of King Darius's reign, The Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Ask the priests this question about the law. If one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, and his robe happens to brush against some of the, the bread or stew, wine or olive oil, or any other kind of food, will it also become holy? The priest replied, No. Then Haggai asked, If someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And the priest answered, yes. Then Haggai responded, that is how it is with the people of this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. When you hoped for a 20 bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refused to return to me, says the Lord. Think about this 18th day of December, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. I am giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. You have not yet harvested your grain, and your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops. But from this day onward, I will bless you. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Great job, Aaron. Well done. Oh, there we go. Good job. This is Erin's first time up there on the mic, our new kids coordinator as well. And so let's give her a hand. Well done. Great job. Uh, as you uh, have heard, we are continuing our series in Haggai and realize that uh, we've, we've missed an opportunity to greet each other these last three weeks, right? Haggai. Guy. Hi, guy, Every time you walk in during this series, we should have been, Haggai. Hey, no? All right, dad jokes. Well, we've been looking at this Old Testament prophet and seeing him address a group of people that have returned out of exile and they've been challenged to rebuild the temple and they struggle to stay motivated. And today we're called to build, but we're not building a structure, we're building people. We're building Jesus' church. Whether that's through life groups or serve teams or uh, discipleship ministries that we do or Bible studies or or, or worship or whatever it is, we are making new disciples, reaching our community with the gospel, making new disciples, or developing current disciples, growing and maturing in our faith and, and developing as disciples and followers of Jesus. We are investing our lives in building the church of Jesus. And Haggai's message here, this third part of his message that we're tackling today talks a lot about being clean and being dirty. And in his day and age, this was, this was big. You look through the Old Testament, you're gonna see lots of laws and rules about cleanliness and dirtiness, right? Because cleanliness meant you were close with God. And dirtiness meant you were defiled and separated from God right? Dirty, distant, clean, close. Think about it like that, right? And and so he talks in these rhetorical questions in verse 11 and 12. We see this as he says to the priest, Aaron just read it, asked the priest this question, if one of you is carrying some meat with a holy sacrifice in their robe and you accidentally bump into something else, does that make it clean? And the answer is no. Cleanliness, and, and in this case holiness, purity, is not transferable that easily. Right, And then he asks this other rhetorical question, which is, well, if someone is ceremonially, un, ceremonially if they're unclean, <laughs> a little porky pig here, somebody touches a dead guy and then they go and touch something else, does that defilement spread? And his answer is yes. And we today in 2023 are going to read this and be like, what is he talking about? But it's this idea of defilement can spread and holiness is not going to spread as easily. Right? And I'll illustrate it like this. If I put hand sanitizer, everybody remembers this stuff. If I put this stuff all over my hands right, and make my hands clean and pure, great. Right, It's like what he's talking about when he's got his robe as a priest and the meat in the robe that he's handling. Now, if I go and I touch my iPad, does it make the iPad pure and germ-free? No. Right? Is the table germ-free? No. Well, I touched it with pure hands. Right? But what he's getting at is defilement does spread. Because if I put sanitizer all over my hands and then I go and I high five some people, high five, there it is. This is gonna be terrible for the video, but great in person. High fives, high fives. Right? Where I got hand sanitizer for those of you that want it. But let's just think about this. Do they now have pure hands? No, what spreads? The germs or the sanitizer? The germs. That's what Haggai is getting at. I apologize. If you would like to sanitize, now that you've, we're living in a post-COVID world, and some of you might be like, Sean, I just, you just bothered me there. (laughs) What Haggai is getting at is this defilement that is spreading. This impurity that is spreading so easily amongst the people. And he's pointing out the germs that are spreading, but it's not germs on their hands and on their robes. It is not a physical defilement that is happening. It is something more internal that is being spread. And we see this in verse 14 when Haggai responds. He responds to these rhetorical questions of yes or no or no. It's pretty obvious. Well, he says, that is how it is with the people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled, by their sin. So he's, he's talking to a people that for the last four months have been working to rebuild this temple and he's saying everything you're trying to do is defiled. Oh, you're making all these sacrifices, that's great, but it's defiled, it's dirty, it's sinful. Because it's not a physical dirtiness that he's talking about, it is a defilement of heart. It is a bacteria of the heart that is spreading amongst the people that everything they do and everything they touch has been defiled from the inside out. The inside of their heart is defiled by selfishness, greed, arrogance, hypocrisy. But the outside looks good. Oh, we're building the temple. Oh, we're going to church. We're making our sacrifices. The outside looks good, but the inside is gross. I'll illustrate it this way. I found these on Amazon. Anybody want a chocolate? today. Anybody would like a chocolate this morning? And you're like, uh, no. But on the outside, it looks amazing. It's a nice dark chocolate. Smells good. Anybody want to try a chocolate? From the outside, it looks wonderful and appetizing. But on the inside, you're all wondering, but what is on the inside, Sean? What did you find on Amazon? Any guesses? Crickets. It is Crickets. I found crickets. Any takers? Anybody? Oh, see, I knew there'd be a couple brave souls. How many? Show of hands. No way. I would never eat whatever you found on Amazon, right? Yeah. Right? The outside looks delectable. It looks great. It looks like a little chocolatey treat. But on the inside, you know, that's gross. Mm -mm. That's a bug. We, We should spray that thing and kill it. What Haggai is getting at is the people of Israel, you look like this chocolate-covered cricket. On the outside, you're building the temple, you're going to church, you're doing all the right things, you're making the sacrifices, you're raising your hands in worship, you're doing these things, you're posting on Facebook, that's great, but on the inside, you a nasty little bug. Should I eat it? I think I should. I think I should. Protein. This is my breakfast. If you would like to try one after service. There's a nice aftertaste. I'll be flossing bug legs out of my teeth later. Crunchy. But what... <laughs> Aaron, can you hand me my coffee? <laughs> I have to get this taste out of my mouth. Thank you. I am thus proving my point of what Haggai is trying to say. Much better. The point of what he's trying to get out here is not about clean up your exterior. Today is not about shine yourself up for Jesus. Today is about everything is defiled if the inside is impure, if the inside is gross. You could have a spiritual exterior that looks great and chocolatey delicious, but on the inside it's a gross little bug. Well, it's defiled. And what he's getting at here is he's calling out this kind of compartmentalized purity or compartmentalized holiness that has developed. They've gone through and compartmentalized their life into different time slots. This is my church time. This is my temple building time. This is my me time. How many of us have done this with our lives? And he's calling them out because their their building of this temple is symbolic of their devotion to God. It is symbolic of their worship and their honor towards God, and yet they've compartmentalized it to a time slot. We crank compartments in our time when we say, well, this is when I'm going to act good. This is when I'll act holy. This is when I'll act righteous, whatever spiritual word you want to use. I'll be pure when I'm at church. I'll be pure when I'm in this building. I'll be pure on Sunday mornings or when I'm serving the kids team in the back, right? Hopefully you're not flying off the handle back there, you are acting good, but, but sometimes we compartmentalize to a certain location or a certain time or a certain task that we're doing. That's when I'll be a good person. And we've got other compartments in our time where I'm gonna do whatever I want. Whether it's at workplace or at school or in the car or late at night or when you're on vacation, you talk different, you act different, you think different, you joke different you're motivated differently. And we create almost these versions of ourselves. This is church Sean, this is home Sean, this is vacation Sean, this is work Sean, this is community Sean, this is coach Sean, and there's no congruency, they're just compartments. And they've created compartments of holiness. This is when I'll be good God. The problem is, is that a compartmentalized life, a compartmentalized Christian living, should be an indicator to us of a heart issue. Because something's going on in the in, in, in the in the depths of our heart. There's a disconnect between our heart and our hands. What we're doing isn't matching what we're motivated to do. And a divided heart is going to lead to a divided life. If my heart interior, inside is divided about the God that I'm going to worship, is divided about the the God that I'm devoted to, well, a divided heart will lead to a divided life and it will lead to a divided worship. That's what Haggai's getting at. Because their hearts are divided to worshiping themselves, worshiping their security blanket of whatever case, they're worshiping their gods of materialism and they're worshiping their God of Yahweh. But a divided heart leads to a divided life which produces divided worship. And I'll tell you, I think what Haggai is getting at is something that Jesus would get at, which is this, God doesn't want a time slot. God doesn't want you to perform. God doesn't just want you to be on a serve team on Sunday mornings for an hour, join a life group for once a week. God doesn't just want what you can do for him. He wants your life. When Jesus is asked, What's the greatest commandment of all time? What does he say? Worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Doesn't just say, Worship him with your Sunday morning. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God wants us to be in love with our entire being our entire life, not to be divided, not to be compartmentalized, not to have a, 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 a church version of ourselves and a work version of ourselves, but there should be a similarity. The gospel should penetrate into all areas of our lives, school life and work life and community life and family life and all of these things that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. It's more than tasks, it's building the kingdom with our feelings and our emotions and our motivations, our thoughts, our words. And thinking about this, and thinking about what Haggai is up against, and thinking about what Jesus would challenge us to, I want you to think about this question. What's the problem with a church culture comprised of part-time Christians? What is the problem with a church culture that is comprised of compartmentalized holiness, compartmentalized purity, part-time Christians? What's the problem with that? Why is this an issue? The world's going to see us as hypocrites. They're going to see the different versions of us. A recent study said 55% of people outside of the church view Christians as hypocrites. Two-faced. Double standard. 55%. Jesus saw this within his religious culture that he was in and his contemporaries. He calls out the religious people, the people that should know better. He says, you hypocrites, these people honor me with their lips and their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas and commands from God. He's pointing out this disconnect of heart and hands. The disconnect between what our motivations are and our desires are and our insecurities are and all of these things where there's a disconnect between what we're doing and what we're feeling, what we're doing and what we're thinking. And he's seeing hypocrisy within the religious circles. Think about the context of of what we're talking about in these four weeks. We're talking about building people up, investing in people, building the kingdom of God. Well, are people gonna want what we got? if they see hypocrisy. 55% of the people outside of the church, and we're talking about making new disciples, but 50-50, more than 50-50, are gonna look at you and say, yeah, but you're fake. What you're talking about isn't real. You just want my Sunday. You just want my money. You just want my time. And in thinking about it, we're talking about building the kingdom of God. We, we aren't gonna do that well with a narrative of hypocrisy hovering around us, with part-time Christians, compartmentalized holiness. People won't be drawn to a gospel that changes your Sunday. People are drawn to a gospel that changes your life. If the gospel only changes your Sunday morning, it's incomplete. They want a gospel that changes their life changes the way you view your family, the way you view your your calling, your purpose, your eternity, your tragedy, your suffering, your glory, your victories. It changes all of it, doesn't it? The gospel changes all of our perception, And, and we have the ability, we have the moment right now in this series, we have a chance to reflect and think about this, that we can be a part of the solution to changing people's perspective on Christians, to not continue the narrative, but rather to change the narrative, to shift the narrative, to begin to show people that I don't have to be one of those Christians that you think I am. I'm going to do it different. I'm not going to have work, Sean, and community, Sean, and family, Sean, and vacation, Sean. I'm just going to have Sean that follows Jesus. But it starts with us examining our hearts. And it's building with our heart, not just our hard work. And we can't neglect the difficult effort, or the, 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 we can't neglect the effort it takes to participate in building God's kingdom. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes resources, it takes all of those things to build the kingdom of God, right? But Jesus didn't just care about hard work. He doesn't just want you to do something for him. I don't want you to just be busy for a church. When you hear us give you opportunities for next steps, don't hear, oh, just another thing we got to do. No, it is is about opportunities to build the kingdom of God, meaning build you up or build somebody else up through you. But we cannot neglect the difficult paradigm that, well, it's going to take time, it's going to take effort, it's going to take intentionality, it's going to take prioritization. We've talked about some of those things, but it's also going to take heart. God wants to do something in our heart and start with our heart. And, and think about the words of Jesus when he talks about heart. One is that he, he focuses on the inside out, that it works from the inside out. So often we work from the outside in. Change behavior and it will change my attitude. Jesus flips it and he says, well, let's start from the inside out. When correcting the religious people in Matthew 23, this is what Jesus says. He says, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. This is a nice life hack for doing dishes. But more than that, it's a lesson for us that it's not just about being busy for God. God wants us to address what's going on inside, what's going on in our heart, what are we motivated, what are we stirring, what are we thinking, what's compelling us to do these things, right? And so often uh, we feel in church circles that we we gotta change behavior, stop swearing. Stop saying mean jokes. Stop being so abrupt with people. Okay, well, yeah, we should change those things, right? But instead of just trying to change the behavior that everybody can see, what if I stopped and thought about why is that my default reaction? What if I prayed and, and reflected and conversed with Jesus about, God, why do I have such a short fuse? What am I trying to control? Instead of trying to just quit our addictions, right? That's another one. Oh. I gotta stop drinking, I gotta stop smoking, I gotta stop looking at this, I gotta stop doing these things, I gotta, you know. We feel that pressure in church to change the exterior, quit your addictions, right? But I think what Jesus would challenge us to do is stop and think about, well, for a moment, let's, yeah, we should change behavior, but first and foremost, let's think about what are you trying to escape? What are you distracting? What are you trying to numb? What what hole are you trying to fill in your heart with those things? Because you could try cold turkey to cut that out of your life, and you might do really well for a season. But you'll still have the hole that you're trying to fill. Maybe it won't be with food, but it'll be with something else. Maybe it won't be with alcohol, but it'll be with something else. And so Jesus would challenge us to think about the compartmentalization that happens in our hearts and think about what's going on on the inside, Focus on changing the inside, those motivations that nobody else can see, those things that you don't say out loud. Would you say those things to Jesus? To live a life where he gets my entirety, not just my Sunday, is going to start with my heart. Start with those motivations. Start with those feelings. Start with those thoughts. Start with those insecurities. Start with the inside. And then Jesus also talks about the heart. He talks about the heart quite a bit. Uh, We we could be here for a while. But one of the other areas that he talks about is to do good for good reasons, right? Because I think we could do a lot of good stuff for bad reasons. You can serve and serve and serve and serve and have the wrong motivation to serve. You could could give all of your time back there with the kids or serve on a serve team here or sacrifice a ton. And and I think Jesus Jesus would challenge you and say, well, what's your motivation for doing that? What are you chasing? What is the reward that you desire? And Jesus challenges that idea of doing good for good reasons by thinking about our heart. When when he talks about giving and fasting and prayer, he challenges people. He says, you know, when you're going to give, do it privately. When you're going to pray Go pray quietly and and alone. When you're fasting, don't post it on Facebook. Comb your hair, wash your face, and no one will notice. But you know who notices when you pray, and when you give, and when you fast? Your Father in Heaven. And He's gonna give you the ultimate reward. But if you're chasing these other things, and this is the challenge for us, is, is we feel warm and fuzzy when we do good stuff, right? This last week, we had a challenge for us, and we're doing it every month, to pray for 23 minutes on the 23rd of every month for the year 2023, praying for our church. I prayed for 23 minutes this week. It was awesome. It felt good, right? It felt warm and fuzzy. I didn't post it anywhere. I didn't tell anybody. I just did it. Well, now I'm telling you. Dang it. but it's thinking about for yourself, why would you do that? Why would you give? Why would you pray? Why would you serve? Why would you do the right thing? Why would you wanna change that behavior to quit that addiction, to change that habit, do the good for good reasons? And when we think about our heart, it challenges us to think about what am I chasing while doing that? Is it the affirmation and validation of somebody else? Is it the pat on the back by somebody else? Is it the likes? Is it the hearts? And we have to think about that deep down inside of us, and only you and Jesus can really do that heart work. Maybe a, a therapist could help you. He's helped me, <laughs> my counseling. But to think about what am I chasing? What's my reward? And I think this is valuable because when we think about what we're building, we're building up disciples, right? There's going to come a season where what you do goes unnoticed, underappreciated, unvalued, unrecognized, The building the kingdom of God is not about popularity, it is not about validation, it is not about physical reward all the time. And so there is going to come a time where you're doing the right thing and you don't get that warm, fuzzy feeling that you got in the past. And you're gonna go, the heck with this? Why am I doing this? Why am I serving? Why am I putting my hands to this? And why am I putting my time into this? But when we do that heart work with Jesus, we begin to see, wow, what's gonna keep me building? That's a heart thing. That's not an exterior thing. Jesus also talks about pure hearts in the Beatitudes. When he talks about pure hearts, lead to clear vision. In the Beatitudes, of all these blessed statements, he says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Purity of heart gives us a clarity of vision. That we aren't clouded by a bunch of other things gives us a clarity of vision to see who God is and what he's doing in our lives and what he's doing in our church, what he's doing in our community. We can miss that stuff because we've defiled our heart and distracted our heart and numbed our heart. It's kind of like a dirty windshield when you're driving over the pass and you get snow on it and you get sludge and you get dirt and you get the sand and you get bugs splattered, right? Everybody can picture that dirty windshield and you clean that windshield with your wipers and that wonderful wiper fluid. And it creates the clarity. And that's like, man, it's just like, oh, I can see. I love that feeling. I love doing that. Like squirting the fluid and then, whoosh, 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 and you get that clean slate and it's dirty all around, but it's like clear right where you're looking. I love that There's something so gratifying about that feeling. And thinking about that clarity of vision that we have while we're driving with a clear windshield. And think about what Jesus is getting at When you combine the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross with the repentant heart, it is the wiper fluid and the wipers working together. We repent and we experience the the sacrifice of Christ, the grace of his sacrifice. It clears my vision to see who God is and what he's doing, to get the bugs out of the way, to get the sludge out of the way. To get the selfishness and the hypocrisy and the greed and the materialism and the arrogance and the insecurity, and I'm wiping all of that away. Now, I'm not doing the wiping. The sacrifice of Christ did all of that on the cross, but I got to repent. So I think it's a two-part thing here. I'm repenting, but it's only because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that I experience that clarity. But a pure heart allows me to see God. How many of you want to see God in your world? Listen to the way the the book of Hebrews describes it. It says, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial ceremonial impurity. Very much a Haggai context. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. Just I'm going to repeat that. Just think of how much the blood of Christ can purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. That is what Haggai wants. That is what Jesus wants. That is what today is all about. The sacrifice of Christ purifies us from the inside out so that we can see what God's doing in his church. We can see what God's doing in our families and in our lives and in our community. We can see God at work because God blesses us with pure hearts for they will see God. And I love that we worship a God that gives us hope. The the end of this Haggai passage gives us some hope, and and we may have missed it, so I want to revisit this last verse here real quick, but just this idea that God's not done because the people of Israel uh, had messed up. God's not done with us because we messed up. We all have heart work that we need to do. We've all got things that we need to continue to work on inside of our hearts, and that's, that's the training ground for you and Jesus. It's below the surface. It's not in what you do, but it's in your heart. And I want you to look at this verse because it, it gives us a promise for the future, which tells me that God's not done with the people of Israel, and I think it's true for us. He's not done with us just simply because we messed up. He says, through Haggai, in verse 18 and 19, think carefully. I'm giving you a promise now that while the seed is still in the barn, you have not harvested your grain and your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive trees have not yet produced their crops. But from this day onward, I will bless you. This is a future promise, a future harvest, a future blessing. It's not yet realized. So when I read this at the end of Haggai's message, what do I see? I see hope. And I hope today That when we talk about this idea of the purification that we find in Christ, it gives us hope. It does not condemn us, but it rather compels us to say, I messed up, and maybe my priorities are wrong, and maybe my times are gone, and I've compartmentalized my life, but God's not done with me. I can experience a fresh start today, and I want to see God move. I want to see God move in my church. I want to see God move in my city. I want to see God move in my family. God's not finished with us and he could purify us from the inside out so that we could do the hard work of building his kingdom. But may we not mess that up? Because I think if we mess that up, we turn into those hypocrites we were talking about. We turn into jerks, Christian jerks. We're doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. And sometimes I bumped into Christians outside of the church and realized, like, you follow the same Jesus? Would you follow Jesus? And I wonder how many times people bumped into me and realized like you're a pastor? because I was trying to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. I was trying to do the right thing, but my heart had gotten hard or selfish or just preoccupied with the task. And I hardened my heart. I became a jerk. I care more about the, the, the procedure or the, the task at hand than the person I was working with. I care more about doing something for God than being with my God. And Haggai wants us and I think Jesus would want us to be people who are in communion and connection with God, partnering in building his kingdom from the inside out. Let's pray. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.comslash connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.